0: You guys can uh, be seated. Uh, in this new year, uh, there's a lot on my heart and on my mind, and just uh, we've talked about holy discontentment uh, before, and and I just uh, have had this this weight on me about this, this holy discontentment just about the, the state of the American church. And uh, over the next several weeks, I just I really want to dive into Scripture and just look at the church and look at what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ and and what kind of things to as a follower of Christ does does God expect of us as as his children. But before we jump into that, I just wanna go to into prayer and um it's not kind of like a lot of times how we just pray and just, you know, go, okay, God, you know, I'm paying you some lip service. But I wanna just uh just Time out for a second and, and focus on, on really what it means to engage one-on-one with the creator of the universe, and, and to really have an expectation that, that, that God is listening and that God's going to do something through this prayer, that, that God is going to move us in 2009, that God is going to move. His, his church with its broken wings uh, and rep- mend them so we can soar again and truly be the tangible hand of Christ. So you guys will pray with me. Dear Lord, I just, uh, not me, but we come to you in the middle of a war and domestic just uh, problems. God, I just wholeheartedly believe that you're trying to get our attention. God, I also believe that your church, your bride, is meant to be the hope of the world, that it's the only ordained organization here on earth designed to speak into every aspect of somebody's life that there is no hope outside of you and what you've done God, I just uh, know that so many of us including myself have strongholds in our heart preconceived notions of who other people are or who we should be. And God, over the next several weeks, I just pray that you will break down those strongholds, that you will just demolish them, that you will rebuild us up in your image and your likeness, that we will be able to go out and be your tangible hand of your love and your generosity to a lost and hurting world. God, I also just lift up the new red eye in Midtown. God, it's been just so great just seeing how many people have invested their their time this past week trying to get it ready to open. God, I just pray if it opens this week or next week, or, uh, just when it does open, that it will be a shining beacon out in our community. But It will not only be a shining beacon, but it also will just fund your, your ministries. Just resource them. Loving those who... Have been marginalized and forgotten. God, just use us in two thousand nine and beyond. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this series is called Revolution, as Steve O talked about. Uh, it's not a revolution of, of guns or, or anything like that. Uh, it's a. It's hopefully a revolution of of mind, heart, and spirit. Something that uh, will mean different things to different ones of us, uh, depending on where we are in in our walk. But one thing that is a common denominator, those of us who are followers of Christ have been called to love others in His name. And we put this graphic uh, together and uh, it means something. Number one, it's going to be uh, a revolution, but a revolution of love. In the scripture that we're going to be looking at today in Luke chapter 10, the first part says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? A very valid question, I, I would think. Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, and he answered by quoting Scripture. He answered by quoting Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we look at this graphic, the word love in the first part of this Scripture is preeminent, that it, that, that it overshadows everything that a follower of Christ should be and we've been called to be, that, that we are to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, that we are to love Him with all our intellect, our mind. It means everything that we read, all our, all our pursuits, how we think is to bring glory to God. All of our soul, which maybe some of us, that one maybe comes naturally or, 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 or seems readily apparent, that we're to love God with our spirit. After all, the soul is eternal. That we are to love God with all of our strength, all of our body, everything that He his. Given us in this physical world everything that we are, and he also goes in and he and he talks about all your heart. And heart has many different connotations. That this metaphor of heart has mean, meant different things to different people throughout uh, the the decades and the millennium. That that a lot of times the hardest thought is the control center that, 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 that nothing happens unless it's gone through the grid of our, our emotions. And this whole thought of a loving God with all of our emotional being, to honoring Him with all our emotional being. And, and even though those four things, they may make sense to us uh, right off the bat, that they're very hard to live out but probably not nearly as hard as the second thing that Jesus said, that Jesus said that you also need to love your neighbor. And he says something that's interesting. He says this is equal to loving God. Equal. What's equal mean? It means it it, it has the same value to God as much as we love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That it is equally important to him how we love others. We can't neglect others and say that we are a fully devoted follower of Christ. And you know, as I look at the church, and uh, many of you know, I'm I, I'm back in school and I'm I'm studying. Uh, getting my doctorate of ministry in leadership in the emerging culture. And it's really interesting. I'm connecting with a lot of people around the world and and a lot of people here in the United States and just the state of the church. And then talking with people who are outside of the church. and, And the church, the bride of Christ, has sold herself and betrayed her groom in a lot of different ways. That we have turned our back on the world and somewhere along the line we thought that the world became this dirty, ugly thing that we couldn't be part of. And you may be sitting there going, of course, we need to be separate from the world. And and Mark, I'm all about the loving God with all my heart, soul, uh, heart, mind, soul, strength. But the world, this is that's something, I don't want it to touch me. I don't want it to infect me in my, in my relationship with God. But there's this problem. In John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world. So what do we do with that? How, how do we become not of the world or part of the world, but be in the world and being the ambassadors of Christ? that he has called us to do? This is a very, very important question that that faces not only our local congregation, but but the American congregation, because I'm just going to put it out there, and the reality is that most people who are not followers of Christ and who are not part of the church think that church people are only concerned about their buildings and their programs. They don't think that we give a hoot about them. And you know what? By, by our actions, we will be known. You see, we are to have a revolution. And not for something new, but to bring us back to where we have been called to be and what we have been called to do you see i believe and we're going to talk more about this next week that we were called to be the tangible hand of christ that's why we're here we are here to be his ambassadors to be his hands his feet his mouth to this lost and hurting world and that's the hand reaching out and Over the hand is the globe and the recycle symbol. And if you've been here and you've taken stage two, that recycle symbol doesn't mean recycle your hands. You can do that if you'd like. That's not what we're talking about here. You see, many years ago, I was praying through and I was hearing a lot of people talking about how how they thought that the Christian faith was a destination. That somehow you got somewhere and you arrived. And I think that this destination uh, paradigm has led us to the plight of where the church is today. You see, if the ultimate goal is to get somebody in church and to sit them down in church, that is a very empty destination. In fact, even phrases around the church and church leadership came around and, and uh, one of them was, how are we going to reach the unchurched or how are we going to get the unchurched church? Good night. I want to know how we're going to get the church unchurched. Those of you who know me, I don't yell very much and I apologize for that. But this is something that I feel very deeply because you know what? Deep inside my soul, I feel when I was in Europe and I saw those cathedrals and I saw those church buildings and the majesty of them, but they were empty and they were on museum must-see lists. And we as the American church are on the fast track to becoming just a thing of the past. If we do not wake up and say, you know what, enough is enough. You know what, our buildings, are important, and I, I struggle with that all the time. You know, none of us want to go stand out in the rain. I'm right there with you. No one wants to stand out in the rain with 100% humidity in August. Right there with you. Buildings are just one of those things that they're kind of necessary, at least in our culture. But they can never become the thing. Our programs are important. It's important to disciple children. It's important to disciple youth. All these kind of things are important. But we need to see them for what they are. You see, we are called not to get the unchurched churched, not to get somebody in a pew, but we need to get them into a continuum because the journey, the theology of journey, has been largely lost on the American church. And our recycle symbol is more of a continuum And we look at that, and the top one is to make, to make fully devoted followers of Christ, but that's just the beginning, to to mature, to mature fully devoted followers of Christ, and then to mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. In the first four years here at E3, we've looked at a lot of the make and the mature, and we've done quite a bit of mobilize, but we really haven't hammered that home, and this year, we're going to do that. Because... As a friend in California told me once, he says, most Christians are educated way beyond their obedience level. And the time is right for us to uncircle a couple of the wagons that we have erected and to get out into our community And we have taken significant steps as that as a community. In fact, we have taken an enormous amount of risk opening up this this new red-eye coffee bar down in Midtown. I am so excited that we as a congregation unanimously said, You know what? We know that we're not big enough or rich enough or smart enough. You know, we're not better than Kalarn who, who tried to do it before, but we just feel that this is what God has called us to do. And to go out and risk this is more important to, for the opportunity to love people in the name of Christ is more important than our personal comfort or preconceived notions of how church is meant to be done. It is my Hope in my dream that, that that becomes an extension of who we are. Not some appendix, but it's gonna start changing our paradigm of how we think, that we don't think that we come to church anymore because what do we do when we go to the red eye? When do we go? What do we do when we serve there or or drink coffee there and meet somebody there? What is that called? It's called precisely what you're meant to be being the church you know i'm so excited that we're going to be overtly telling the message that you know what it does every cent of profit from that place net profit from that place is going to be going or being the tangible hand of Christ, to going to funding the project in Benin, Africa, to, to have child trafficking cease and stop forever, to get into Guatemala into Pana, to fund that so we can build even more houses and love even more people in the name of Christ, to be able to do more service projects in our city. You see, what Christ has called us to do is not to erect a a tent and put out a sign that says Big Tent Revival Tonight, come get saved. Let's give you a hint. No one would come except us. And half of you wouldn't come either. I wouldn't either. I'd be at Starbucks because the red eye's not open yet. You can't get coffee there. We've got to change our paradigm. We've got to change our, our thinking. You see, this religious ruler, he stood up and he asked, in trying to trick Jesus and saying, how do I get eternal life? And he talks about loving God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, "Right, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Excellent question. Who is my neighbor? Is it the person living to the left and the right of me? Is it the people on my street? Is it the people in my neighborhood? Is it the people in my city? Is it the people in my world? What does it look like? Well, Jesus replied with an illustration. If you're churched, you'll know it as a parable. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan, came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan smoothed his wounds and medicine and, his, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and told him to take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than that, he said, I'll pay the difference the next time I am here. Now, which one of these would you say was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. You see, this may be a familiar illustration to you. It's one of Jesus' more famous ones. But what we have here is a religious ruler of the day. Who, who, with the six hundred and thirteen laws of Moses, he had held him up and and erected a whole system of life. In fact, he knew the right answers, didn't he? Jesus asked him these questions, and Jesus said, "Right, you got it. You're educated." You know the right answers. But in God's economy, there's no gold stars for just knowing the right answer. God is looking for doers. God is looking for hands that will hold and love and serve those in need. Essentially, will get dirty. I'm so excited over the past week since we uh, closed on the the lease and everything. I I worked it out. There's been about 800 volunteer hours that have already gone into getting the red eye ready. I mean, it's just has absolutely blown me away just the amount of effort and time that people have put into this. You see, this is the future for us. That this is the the launching ground. That this is going to be the place where we are going to be able to go and connect with people who would never come here and maybe never will come here but that is not the point. The point is to start mending the broken wings of the church and to communicate: look, God cares about the least of things, the least of these. And because these things break God's heart, we as God's followers, of Christ's followers, it breaks our heart. And we are going to go out and we are going to serve and we are going to love and we are going to do everything in our power. Fill the cause and the vision that God has given our church. And in this illustration that that Jesus gives, we have basically three options here. You can be a Jewish priest You can be a temple assistant, or you can be a despised Samaritan. Jewish priest, you can in that day something of great prestige. You can be that. You can know all the answers. You can you can know all twelve disciples' names. A big good thing. You could know that Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. You get a cookie if you're any three kids. You may know that Moses loaded, Moses, see, I don't even know. Moses saw the burning bush. Noah loaded the ark with animals two by two. Great, and those stories are important, don't get me wrong. But if our life pursuit consists of the pursuit of knowledge and to reiterating that knowledge again and again and again and again, we are only making noise. We can be a Jewish priest. We can be prestigious. We can dazzle people with our knowledge. Or maybe we could be a temple assistant. Someone who is an active volunteer in the church. Don't get me wrong, that's an important thing. It's important to know stuff. It's important to serve in this local body. Nothing happens if we don't serve here. But in the story, at least the temple assistant went over and looked at the miserable person, who, Jewish guy who got beat up, but decided not to do anything about it. Maybe had to get to a committee meeting Or to teach a Sunday school class about loving your neighbor. Or something like that. But again, it made no difference to the man who had been beaten up. And then finally, Jesus takes the most vile, image that he could muster as far as a person a a samaritan who the jews despised you see the samaritans were half breeds that these were the the offspring of jews while they were in exile who slept with the enemy and as a result of that women became pregnant and had this race called the samaritans who nobody wanted and no one liked And this is the person that Jesus holds up. It's even interesting as you see the answer of the religious ruler, the law expert, on what he thought about the Samaritan. Because Jesus asked, which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked, the man replied, The Samaritan? No, he didn't say his name. He said, the one who showed him mercy. The prestigious law expert couldn't even bring himself to acknowledge that a Samaritan could do such an act. He had to answer the question by just saying, that person who showed mercy. You see, if we're truly going to have a revolution of the heart, of the church, of who we are, that we have to have and understand that the reality is that it's not going to be prestigious, that some people are going to criticize. They always do. But it is Not the man who sits in the crowd and points out the faults of the strong man in the ring. Who has done something. It is the one who gets up and tries. And you know what? As part of this community... I would much rather go out and fail miserably than to sit here and play it safe. It is my prayer, and I want you guys to be praying with me on this, that not only does this new venture out there, the red eye, is able to raise resources, and it's my prayer that we're, us as a church are able to give $30,000 this year to Compassion-Based Ministries, those three ministries that I mentioned. But that Christ's bride, at least in the eyes of those people in, around Midtown and coming, gets a little less stained. Stained. In that people start to maybe murmuring or thinking to themselves, maybe, maybe they do care about other things except themselves. Maybe they do care about others. Maybe they really do believe the things that they say they know. It's high time that Christians are not only known for the things that they're against, but what we are for. And we are for showing God's love. Every single one of us has the opportunity. We can choose to be the religious. Pharisee, the religious ruler, the temple priest, the temple assistant, or we can choose to do, you know what say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me I'm going to love people there's lots of different ways to do that, but one way that this, that you can start taking that step in a tangible way is just getting behind this red eye thing I am very excited about the possibilities of this, but the only way it works is if E3, you guys decide you're going to make it work, that we're going to change the paradigm. And over at the Pathways booth, there's, there's applications. This is an extension of who we are, and we need people. But say, you know what, I'm going to invest time there. And I'm going to be responsible, and I am going to put my name on the dotted line, and I'm going to say, you can count on me. So after this gathering, I, I really hope that you will take an application. And we're asking you to really pray about giving, investing four hours each and every week. In a, in a ministry outside of here. That doesn't mean abandoning your ministry here. This is, and what I'm hoping is that some of you have been looking for that thing, looking for that, that little push. How do I get out in the mission field? How do I love others? This is an excellent way to do it. We just need to do it. Time is now. The revolution has started. Are you going to hold on to the old paradigm? Or are you going to say, you know what? It's time for something new. And revolution starts somewhere. Why not here? And why not with me? Let's pray. Dear God, I just pray that you move us. The most exciting times in history are times of revolution. God, I just... Pray that it starts here within us, in in our hearts. God, I just pray that our congregation will be able to celebrate the end of slavery in Benin and know that we had a part in doing that. God, I just pray that our congregation will be able to celebrate more mothers having homes built for them in Pana and Guatemala, and more children having the opportunity to go to school and erecting safe environments. And God, I also pray that we will help break the cycle of poverty right here in Tallahassee, one person at a time by walking alongside them, giving them opportunity, positive work experience, and training to give them an opportunity to experience something different in life. But God, I understand it all starts with you and our willingness to follow. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name amen. Yeah. Wow.